Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Inside Brockle podcast. I'm Elliot Jackson and I'm joined as always by Ryan Hildred. Ryan, how are you doing? Very well, thank you, mate. Uh, I've been out on the, the Sunday League watching my lad today, so that's been good for this fine how, Sunday. How did he get on? They won 4-0, so that's good. Topping off with uh, the Rovers' win yesterday, of course, so all good. If you had to compare uh, him to one current Blackburn Rovers player, who would it be? John Buckley. So technically very, a very good. good yeah, technically a very good player, but probably needs to work on a bit more strength and being a bit firmer in the tackle and that type does of stuff. Does he just walk as well, generally? As yes, well. he does, which he was told today not to do. So uh yeah, he's very much like John Buckley in that regard. So the star of Blackburn Rovers midfield in about fifteen, twenty years, that would that would be pretty good, wouldn't it? Maybe, yeah, that would be good. That would be fantastic. But uh yeah, all good this morning. Yeah, it's been a busy week for Rovers off the uh, on the pitch as well, of course. A draw of West Brom and a big win over Swansea City on Saturday. Plenty of late drama, turning one point into four. We're going to start at the Hawthorns. Ryan, at the start of the week, where Blackburn Rovers drew one all with West Brom, of course, coming from behind for the first time this season with a late Ben Brereton Diaz free kick. And I really don't think that we can underestimate the importance of actually getting a point from a losing position. It was the first time that Rovers have scored an equaliser since April last year, which is just absolutely bonkers. I think, what, the Coventry game where they drew to all of the... That's I think right. that was the game. Yeah. Um, that should have been my first game for Lanks, actually, where it got delayed and I didn't come in until the Preston game, but that, that was should have been my first game. That would have been some game to, to, to first report on. But, There's a second um, of that one. Yeah, they finally got the the monkey off the back. They've got the the hoodoo done, and I think for such a young group of players, that is a big moment. To it's one thing for people to say, you know, you can come from behind, you know, give people belief verbally, but when you actually go and do it, especially away at a, a team in West Brom who will be in the top six this season, they were six um, wins in a row at home without conceding as well. Looked on course for that to be seven. And then, of course, Ben Brereton Diaz takes a point for Rovers. And I do think that is a big moment for this group that they've started, it, well, th- this week as we'll come on to. They are twisting points, which was something they didn't do earlier in the season, which we've discussed, the the Wigan defeat, the Cardiff defeat. They, they have actually done that this week. Yeah, and it's a big Achilles heel for us, isn't it? Because you look at other sides around the championship and they do come from behind. And, and we've suffered that against us at times this season as well. Um 
it really didn't look likely, did it? Um, you know, going into that stoppage time period, I just thought, wow, you know, what have we done to threaten West Brom, uh, let alone in the second half, you know, the whole game, it was looking really, really unlikely. And um, yeah, sometimes it does just come from nowhere. Sometimes it just has, you know, has to be like that. And yeah, the keeper should have done better with the free kick, I think, but it's a good hit from Diaz. And, you know, you absolutely take the point under those circumstances in a game where, We've not threatened much against an opponent who is going for the top six, against an opponent who, as you say, had been on such a good run at home. You absolutely put that point in the bag and carry on. So, yeah, as you say, great monkey off the back for the players. And hopefully that will just give them confidence that they can go to some of these places and pick up those types of points or indeed wins. Yeah, absolutely. I think it would have been really unfortunate and and a bit unlucky if they'd left the Hawthorns without anything. I think they worked really hard off the ball. They limited West Brom to very few clear-cut chances at Ainsley Pairs' goal. They obviously did hit the post, but it didn't. It wasn't overly worked. And so once that goal goes in around the 70th minute from Malumbi, it was a bit of a sickener because you are thinking Rovers haven't got exactly a track record of getting back yeah. into these games. And it, it, did, it did pan out exactly how we expected, I think, I said this to to Rich Sharp on the on the night that more happened after Rovers equalised in the 89th minute than what happened between the 70th minute opener and Rovers equalising. They they didn't create anything. There wasn't like a barrage of pressure once West Brom got in front, and it did look like it was just going to peter out into a one nil win. And we've seen that too often where Rovers have sort of just not given in, but just not had the the almost the belief, the confidence to go and really cause problems and really go at teams when they fall behind. It was like that. But then once they got the equaliser, and as you say, I do think Griffiths should have saved it. it. It was a good strike. It was very similar to the free kick he scored against Celtic in pre-season. Um, except, obviously, Griffiths got a, a big hand on it. He'll, he will be disappointed, but nonetheless, good for Broughton Diaz. And then there was a, there was lots of chances after that. Six minutes of added time. Rovers had a couple of really dangerous breakaways where if they'd played a better final ball... They could have been on goal. And then Ainsley Pears pulls off what was a, a fantastic save to deny Balumbi from a corner, which which really was a, a point-clinching save. So it, it really was a frantic finish at the Hawthorns. Great to obviously see Ben Brereton Diaz back scoring. That was his first goal in 12. It, he hadn't played brilliantly, I have to say. It was another afternoon where, or evening, should I say, where he looked... Like he was trying a little bit too much. He looked like a player a little bit short on confidence, a player that knew he needed to hit the back of the net with a goal to get himself up and running again. And it wasn't a, a great performance. There was a few moments in the second half, particularly where Rovers counter-attacked and he made the wrong decision by holding off too late for a pass or there was one where he cut inside and just blazed one over where he should have played back to a teammate. But really good for him to, to get that and hopefully they will see that give him some confidence in the games to come. Yeah, he's absolutely a confidence player, isn't he? So, um, you know, the whole Ben Brereton-Diaz story that we've seen, you know, he was a player bereft of confidence in the first couple of years of his career and then has obviously been riding the wave of, of the last 18 months and, and the whole Chile thing. I think you're absolutely right with your analysis that, yeah, you can be accused of trying too hard because he knows, you know, he reads all the stuff. He, he knows that he's set himself some really high levels over the last 18 months and he's not hitting them at the moment. But one thing I will say about him, I think he's just knackered. I think he puts it does in, look tired, you're right. He puts in a shift for Rovers and, you know, what was it, a few days before at Watford, I spoke about on last week's podcast that Gasper just had him up and down that line away at Watford, which is why I would have been happy for him not to start at the Hawthorns. So 
I do think we do need to rest him at some point. We're probably going to get that opportunity, as we'll talk about in a moment, with the injury. That might just freshen him up mentally. It'll certainly freshen him up physically. And maybe we can just see him towards the end of the season hitting the, the net a bit more regularly. But yeah, you know, you take those as a striker when you've not been scoring. If the keeper's dropped a bit of a clanger, they're the ones that can get you going on the runs again, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. And as you say, there are a few players that you, you think might be in the red zone. Obviously, we saw Bradley Dack taken off after an hour at the Hawthorns, which was actually a decision that was booed by quite a lot of the away end. But Thompson quite clear on why he needed to do it. He then left him on the bench against Swans, who's will come on to, and then obviously he gets injured. So clearly these Thompson is trying to manage the group, and he said that previously. When they have got five games in two weeks, or, or in this case, they've got seven games in, in three weeks, as it works out with three midweek games in a row, he's going to have to use the squad. He's going to have to rotate. Obviously, there was a couple of injuries at the Hawthorns as well. Joe Rankin-Costello uh, picked up an, an ankle knock. He didn't play against Swansea as a result. They are hopeful that he will be back, if not for Blackpool on Tuesday, then he'll be back for Queen's Park Rangers on Saturday. But Scott Wharton's now out for two to three weeks, which is a bit of a, a disappointment for him because it feels like since the Burnley game and the World Cup break, it feels like his season's been very stop-start where he's not really been in the side. And then when he has been in the side, he's had a few less than convincing moments, which it, which is a real surprise because he's been so consistent for so long. But I don't think we've seen him in his best form since he got dropped for the Burnley game, which was all a big surprise to everyone. And then he's had a couple of niggling injuries here and there, and now he's got another two to three weeks on the sidelines. Yeah, Scott Wharton, um, again, you know, we see this with players, particularly in their early 20s, mid-20s or whatever. They do have those moments where they're not quite on it. And do you know what? We were blessed with Scott Wharton because he came in and, and really made that centre-back place his own. Um, and again, maybe this injury, maybe this little break out of the team will just freshen him up mentally as well because, you know, we know that on his day, he's fantastic. And for me... Um, I like a left-sided centre-half because I think Absolutely. it provides that balance. So we want a fit and inform Scott Wharton actually challenging Ayala and Haim to say, actually, it's one of you two that aren't going to play. And even Hayden Carter with the way that he's been playing as well. So, yeah, it's been tough on Scott Wharton. Um, what I like about Wharton as well, he is a threat in the other opposition box, you know, from set pieces, corners and, and things like that. So... Let's hope he can just dust himself down and go again. Maybe like what his brother is about to do as well when he comes back into the side. Fingers crossed. Yeah, I completely agree with you on, on the left-footedness, which is something we'll come on to in a minute. So, obviously on Saturday at Ewood, it was a 1-0 win over Swansea City. Plenty to unpack from that game with Daniel Ayala obviously scoring a late header to win the game for Rovers. But it wasn't all plain sailing for the 90 minutes, I think it's fair to say. Uh, there were four changes in total, a change of system. They went to a 3-4-3 in the first half. Bradley Dack was left out, which they really missed his his, his attacking spark in that first half. He, he has looked at times recently a, a step above some of his teammates and the rest of the attack with a few out of form. Um, and the first half was just really, really poor. It was, it was quite boring to watch, if I'm being completely honest. It was slow. It was predictable. And it was just two teams... Two teams that look like mid-table teams not playing with enough intensity. I think Rovers played far too much respect to Swansea. They didn't get anywhere near close enough to them. They weren't aggressive enough in the press. And then when they did press at times, they didn't move as a unit. So there was a few 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 moments, should I say, I'll get my teeth in, where Buckley and Travis did go and press the Swansea midfielder, but the defence didn't move up with them and it just left a massive hole 
for then Swansea's two number 10s um, to, to get into space and, and then run at the defence. So they, they clearly weren't succinct. They weren't moving as a unit. They weren't pressing at the right times. And when they did press, they didn't all move together as a team. And it was a really poor first half. And the fans let them know, to be fair. It, it all felt throughout the afternoon that the fans were dying to have something to shout about and get behind the team. But in that first half, they just weren't really given anything. And there were a few moments where they, they were even like cheering for tackles and things like that. Where There were a few um, occasions where Travis got a good foot in chasing after and harassing uh, the Swansea midfield. And, and, you know, fans were clearly up for that. They wanted to, but they just didn't have anything in that first half to get behind. It's been the running theme of this season for me, um, not imposing ourselves on sides. And I think the disappointing thing with the first half yesterday, after two brilliant results away at Watford and away at West Brom, you're thinking, right, Swansea at home, this is a great fixture for us to go and impose ourselves, for us to go and you know, be on the front foot and get the victory and get the win. And when it doesn't pan out like that in that first half, it was a very tepid first half performance. We could have been behind at halftime, you know, with the Ben Cabango header off the bar as well. I think fans, we rightly expected a bit more. Why undo all of that great work away at Watford and, and away at West Brom with that passive sitting back to respectful performance, as you say? So I'm really pleased that Thomason got into them at halftime. He clearly did. Uh, and it was a much improved for, uh, second half performance. But yeah, if we have any aspiration of top six, and it's probably going to be the debate that will rumble on for the you know the rest of the season, whether we will or we won't. If we're not willing to impose ourselves on sides, particularly at Ewood Park, it's your home form that gets you in the top six invariably. We're going to be found out against other sides, you know, that are better than Swansea. So um, very disappointing first half, that's for sure. Yeah, it seems to be a running theme. It was very similar to the first half against Wigan, where they just weren't aggressive enough. And again, they were playing a back three, obviously, yesterday from the start. So you've got that extra insurance of, of a back line of five rather than four. So your central midfielders can afford to, to press and you can move up the pitch a little more because you've got that extra man. If the midfield gets bypassed, one of your centre-halves can step into midfield to try and engage with the ball and you've still got a line of four. Um, I thought the, the wing-backs... We know Harry Pickering is better as a full-back. He's, he's a better footballer than necessarily someone... His best footballing traits don't particularly match up to that of a, a wing-back, a flying you know, full-back in the modern game where they, they've got lots of pace and, and they get to the touchline. I think he's a very clever footballer, very intelligent, a very good passer. But I think he's more suited to playing in a back four where he's not quite as uh, it's not quite as important that he is bombing forward at every opportunity. I thought Sorba Thomas played a little bit safe in that wing-back role again and it was at times more a back five than a, a back three, which is not what you want when you're at home to a team that are also very good at keeping the ball because it just pins you back. It's hard enough to get the ball back from them, but if you're pinned in a line of five, you're not going to get up the pitch. And that that was the problem in the first half. Um, I don't think they had a shot on target. There was one good, decent effort from Dolan where he drove into the box, but dragged it wide on his left foot. And every time we sort of looked down at the pitch, you could see Thomason. He was actively waving them forward. He was trying to get them to get higher up the pitch. And when we spoke to him after the game, he did say he was trying to make changes and give those instructions in the first half but obviously it's so difficult while while everyone's playing to, to get those messages across and I think that's why we didn't really see it until half time they made the changes they changed formation they went to a 4-2-3-1 Hayden Carter moved to, to right back so Thomas moved up a little bit it's not that much different really in terms of when they've got the ball but they just pressed so much higher they were more aggressive 
Um, Travis was much much better, I thought. I thought he got after Swansea's midfield. And they started to pin Swansea back and suddenly there was waves of crosses and pressure. And they looked a far more succinct side in that second half. And I think it also proves that in a back four, that is where Rovers are at their best, even if it does mean having to play Hayden Carter at right back instead of centre-back, which we discussed last week. We don't think is his best position. But with Rankin Costello injured and clearly he felt Callum Britton wasn't fit enough to start, he didn't even come on. Um, I think the back four ultimately worked much better. Yeah, it did. And Swansea are a side that love possession of the football. You know, that's well documented this season. Russell Martin's sides love the football. So in that second half, changing that formation, as you say, going after them, that makes them feel uncomfortable. Swansea don't want to be running back towards their own goal. They don't want the press from us. They don't want to be under pressure because they want to control it. And when you look at the possession stats for the game, you know, 50-50 possession at the end of the game, that probably is a result of that much improved second half performance where Rovers have gone after Swansea a bit more, made them feel a bit more uncomfortable and doing the basic things, you know, putting crosses into the box, you know, threading little through balls, you know, it's just much, much better. The only moment we had in the first half where we did that, the only time where it looked like we were going after Swansea was when Dolan had that chance in the first half. That was the only bit of running that we really had. But second half, yeah, just much better. And wingbacks for me with Rovers, I've always found it strange when we play wingbacks because we play wide forwards as well. So it's mm-hmm. like you're unnecessarily overloaded in those positions. And I, I don't even... Yeah, and I think Pickering actually gets forward more in a back four than when he's in a back five. So Certainly did yesterday. Yeah, so I just find the whole thing bizarre. So I'm really pleased he made the switch. Hats off to Yondal Thomason. I said last week, didn't I, that the manager has to earn his corn and the manager has to do things. So absolutely, full respect to him. Yes, we get a stoppage time winner from a centre-back. Doesn't matter. You know, the game is law of averages. It's going to happen eventually if we're putting crosses into the box and doing things. So well done to Yondal Thomason for making those changes and ultimately making us look more aggressive. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of individual performances, I think Hayden Carter, for me, was again a standout. He got the official man of the match from the um, from the match day sponsors. And he really is in a, in a rich vein of form. He looks far more confident um, for having a run of games. I asked Yondal Thomason about him after the match. Um, and he was saying that he came back, obviously, after even after a really good loan spell from Portsmouth. And he felt that he lacked a little bit of confidence in some some areas. You know, he's still a young lad. He was doing new things that he hadn't been asked to do before. But he feels after that adaptation period, he's now really coming t- into his own. And it, it makes it interesting in terms of the best 11, if you like, albeit we're not going to see what that might be for a while because he's going to rotate the squad with how many games there is. But when Blackburn have got a free week and he can pick pick his best team and injuries and fitness aren't really an issue, I think you'd be hard pressed to leave Hayden Carter out of that team. Now, for me, I would be I would quite like to see Hayden Carter and Dom Hyam have a run at centre back together. I thought Ayala did okay yesterday. It was a little bit poor in possession in the first half, but it obviously scores the winner and it's a clean sheet. But I think when obviously Callum Britton is up to full speed or Joe Rankin Costello's fit, they are obviously going to play at right back. They're a better fit to play at right back. And then it's who do you pick at centre-back? Scott Walton's obviously injured at the minute. But for me, I would be going with Carter and Hyam. I think they're a good blend. I think Carter's got some good athleticism. I think he naturally is better defending wide areas. And I think Hyam's obviously been so good this season. He's been Blackburn's best centre-back. So for me, they would be the two I would be going with when, we, when we're talking about a best 11 right now. I mean, what a problem to have that we're talking about here. You know, we're talking some 
classy centre-backs for Rovers now. You know, Ayala on his day, one of the best in his division. Dom Hyam, as you say, has, has come in and done really well. We're not, not even talking about Ash Phillips in this conversation. And that lad is going to go on to, to bigger and better things, I've got no doubt. But you're absolutely right about Hayden Carter. And he's probably taken inspiration from some of his academy teammates who he's seen. You know, Joe Rankin-Costello likely going out on loan or leaving the club at some point earlier on this season. And he's seen him knuckle down and get a place in that starting eleven. And again, I give full credit to Yondal Thomason for this because Hayden Carter knows if he keeps working hard on that training pitch, keeps putting in those performances when he gets the chances, Yondal Thomason will keep him in this side and he will reward him. So fair play to Hayden Carter for taking this chance. He's clearly developed well on that you know, the the loan spell away at Portsmouth. And you're absolutely right, Elliot. Um, you know, Scott Wharton doesn't walk back into this side. Dom Hyam isn't the first name on the team sheet like he might have been earlier on this season because Aidan Carter has to get a look in now. So, you know, fair play to Carter for, for knuckling down and, and solidifying this place in the side. And then when we look at the attacker, I think the other standout player for me was Tyrese Dolan. I thought he he, he was asking, you know, he did an interview last week and he was saying that he, he feels like he's not really had a run of games and he feels like every time he's on the pitch, he needs to prove to Yondar Thomason that he deserves that run. He's obviously started all three games this week, played different roles. He played um, up front on Wednesday night at the Hawthorns. He played off the, well, sort of off a right forward position in the 3-4-3 in the first half, then went to a number 10 in the second half, and he was a real live wire. And I think the criticism with Dolan, or something, not the criticism, but something he needs to develop, he's only a young player still, is that consistency and end product. And I think in the last seven days at Watford, at West Brom and at home to Swansea, we've seen different facets of his game, but he's kept that consistency when he's got in the final third. He was unlucky with that shot on his left foot. Probably should do better. Probably in five years' time, he probably would put that in the back of the net. That's development. But to, to be the one creating and getting into that position, when Bradley Dak's not on the pitch or Sam Smodix, whoever's playing in that number 10 role, someone else is going to have to stick their hand up and go, you know, I'm going to be the man that creates things. And and that was very much Dolan, I thought, yesterday. I thought he was lively. I thought he, he obviously gives great energy off the uh, off the ball as well. And for me, he was definitely the standout attacker and him and Carter, as well as Ainsley Pears as well. He was pretty faultless, although he didn't have a lot to do. They were certainly my picks in terms of performance yesterday. Yeah, and Ty Dolan, when we're talking all these things about imposing yourself on teams and playing with energy and not showing respect to the opposition, with Ty Dolan in the side, you're able to do that because he does press. He doesn't give centre-backs any moment's rest. You know, he's lively, as you say. He He's always trying to make something happen. He's got that little trick in the book as well if he finds himself in a wide position. So I think Dolan at the moment epitomises what Rovers fans are wanting from this side. If you've got a team of Dolans doing that, pressing high, playing with energy, looking lively, and we still lose a game, it's a much better, you know, you can deal with that better than passive, too respectful, not doing much type performances, you know, when we might not have had players playing in the same way as Dolan. So you're right, the last three games have, have been a real kind of um, graduation, if you want to call it that, for Dolan, because... I said it last week, and what I saw away at Watford from Ty Golan was stuff that I've not seen from him before. The the dark art stuff, the dirty stuff that you need to do as a championship level footballer. And that's the stuff that we've seen Ty Golan do. So 
where we're having to grind out those 1-0 wins at home, you know, with a centre-back scoring the goal, players like Ty Dolan help make that happen now because he's done that graduation, as I say. So, yeah, great performance from Dolan. And, um, yeah, let's do a shout-out to Ainsley Pears again. Uh, another clean sheet. He looks really solid and stable uh, within that goal. And, absolutely, when Thomas Kaminsky's um, over this injury, he ain't going to be walking in because Ainsley Pears is, is looking a solid pick at the moment. So, yeah, we'll do a shout-out for the, the clean sheet as well. Yeah, it's 12 now for Rovers. I think there's only three teams that have kept more in the Championship this season, two of them being Burnley and Preston, weirdly enough. But, um, yeah, the defensive record's been really good. And if you're not at your fluent best going forward, which Rovers haven't been at, on occasions at, at Ewood Park this season, they've still ground out a lot of wins. There's been a lot of wins to nil. And you give yourself every chance. And although the game looked like it was going to be a draw, which would have been a fifth in a row, you wait 27 for one and then suddenly you get five in a row. That really would have been something. Um, and obviously a goal that we've seen sort of similar moves earlier in the game where they've got a corner, they kept them more pressed in, recycled, second play of second phase of play, ball into the box. Dom Hyam gets a little flick and big Daniel Ayal stooping at the back post, back in action, as uh, Tom- Yondar Thompson described him in the pre-match press conference. Five points is a great return from the week that they've had in, in the last seven days. A draw at Watford, a draw at West Brom and a win against Swansea. But I also think the way they've done it actually makes it a little bit sweeter as well because it's not very Blackburn Rovers-like this season to, to go from getting one point from two games to get four. And I think that's a big mental hurdle and almost a bit of a watershed moment for this young group of players. And it was one of the more experienced ones at the back post to do that. But... The more they do that, the more belief they will get and the more points they will hopefully grind out between now and the end of the season. That's a big difference, you know, if they'd drawn yesterday and lost at West Brom one point to four. That's a big difference. And when it's so tight in the table at the moment, those three points difference, that could make a big, big impact when the you know when the reckoning comes at the end of May. Totally agree. And um, one thing I will say, I'm still of the view that we need to create more chances. We need to impose ourselves more. Um, you know, we need to put more crosses into the box. All those things we've spoken about, I still hold the view that we need to do more of that to make top six. I do think eventually that will catch up with us at the end of the season. However, I agree. as you say, doesn't matter how it happens. Um, I'll take the Brereton Diaz equaliser away at West Brom. And in games where we don't create many chances, Brereton Diaz isn't in form, as we say. Centre-back popping up with a goal, we don't mind that one bit. Look at Arsenal yesterday. They get an own goal from a keeper to put them 3-2 up. Doesn't matter how it happens, you just take it when it comes in that way. Hats off to Daniel Ayala for getting himself in the box, staying in there. And, you know, 90 minutes, you know, that's not an easy finish. You know, he's still got to hit the target. There's players on the line. You know, it's a great header. And, and what a result. So brilliant. Uh, I'm buzzing with that. And we've got a great fixture coming up now to try and turn the five points in a week into eight points over four games, which that kind of two points per game ratio, that's the type of points mark that I look at for, for making playoffs. So um, yeah, great result. And I'm really happy with that. Yeah, I completely agree. If there was one downside to yesterday's win, then it was on the injury front. Bradley Dack was forced off 13 minutes after coming on. As we spoke about previously, Yondal Thompson was clearly aware that he was maybe a little bit stretched fitness-wise by the fact he came off after an hour at West Brom and the fact he was left on the bench. That looks like a hamstring injury. Similar with Ben Brereton-Diaz, where it actually occurred where he had the chance, lovely cross from Buckley from the right-hand side. He gets in front of his man. It's a good save by Fisher. Um, And again, he pulled up a little bit after that. So they both came off. 
I don't think for a second they're going to be long-term injuries, although Thomason never is never wants to comment really when it's happened in the game. He just says, let's let's see what the medical report is or he'll let us know if it was more of a precaution. They are injuries. You have to say that you would make the major doubts for Tuesday night, given they're both muscle injuries. We'll obviously find out a little bit more on Monday when Yondal Thompson speaks to the press. But I suppose if there was one bad thing to come from it, it was that. But equally, we've spoken about Broughton Diaz and maybe a rest isn't a bad thing. I, I would be surprised if he started now because I think he was probably due a break anyway. And if it means he's definitely fit for Saturday at Queen's Park Rangers, maybe it's an opportunity for a Ryan Hedges to come into the team, a Sam Smodix to come into the team. It, the bigger blow for me, in my mind, is Dak because I think Dak was probably rested with one eye on starting Tuesday and starting Saturday. Um, but there's an opportunity there for Hedges or Smodix or one of the other attackers to come in and maybe stake a claim. Yeah, and we spoke about this um, on an earlier podcast as well. Ryan Hedges and Sam Smodic started this season really well. Ryan Hedges, I said in particular, um, you know, was the fans' player of the season for the first couple of months. So he's had to be patient. He's had to bide his time. So hopefully he's now looking at that situation and thinking, I don't care if it's Ben Brereton-Diaz. I'm taking this lad's spot. And when he's over that hamstring injury or whatever it is, he's going to have to earn that place back. So I do think we'll see positive reactions from Smodic and from Hedges because we've seen that from all the players coming into the side this season when they've earned their place back. You're right, I would have rested Brereton Diaz away at West Brom, so I do think that that'll be good for him. Bradley Dack, I mean, that's an interesting one because I think when players have had ACL injuries, I think they do say you pick up these little niggly ones just as your muscles kind of regenerate and, and reform within playing. And he has played a lot of football since the World Cup. Right? That, that was the first game he hasn't started in the Championship since he since they came back. And it seemed like one that hopefully it's not a full tear. It's more just a tweak. And as he stretched, he's just felt it. I'm not taking any chances here. Hopefully he knows his body well enough that actually it's more of a precautionary one where, as you say, we only lose him for a game or two. But I totally agree with you. It's... Uh, it's a signal, really, because he would have been ideal for that Blackpool game because they cause us problems and they do frustrate us. They always do. So someone like Bradley Dack in and around the six-yard box, you know, we might need him in a game like that. So someone like Smodic is going to have to, um, you know, play the role that, that Bradley Dack will now. Yeah, you're right. It will be a similar game where um, Blackpool come in, look to frustrate. They got a good win, of course, as we'll come on to at the weekend. But they'll look to frustrate. So it's about those players, particularly arriving late in the box, which Dak is so good at, getting on the end of crosses. Um, and I think it was just a very sweet victory because I think there's a little bit of rivalry, which you wouldn't expect starting to brew between, between Blackburn Rovers and, and Swansea City. There was a little bit earlier in the season where Russell Martin accused the Blackburn Rovers bench of being slightly disrespectful about the style of play. Thomason didn't really seem to know what he was talking about when that was put to him in the post-match press conference. And then again yesterday, there was a little bit of needle pre-match where um, I think there was some very loud music being blared out from the Swansea City dressing room, which was asked to be turned back down. Um, so that, that stoked things a little bit. And then I think a little bit of uh, social media activity from the, the Blackburn Rovers admins riled up a few people as well in the in the tunnel downstairs. I think the, the tweet, which is still there, if you go and look at Blackburn's, um, Blackburn's Twitter account talking about our way um, in reference to what was posted by Swansea earlier in the season. So a little bit of friendly rivalry starting to grow between those two clubs, which which is all good fun. And um, I think that makes it a little bit sweeter for Blackburn Rovers fans getting the late win.
So Ryan, coming up, two big games this week. We've got Blackpool on Tuesday night and then a trip to Queen's Park Rangers on Saturday. We'll start, of course, with the Seasiders at Ewood Park. They got the monkey off their back at the weekend. Their first win in 12 against Stoke City, winning 1-0. A game, in truth, that they were pretty much battered in. They scored a deflected goal from Ian Perveda. But it was a first win for Mick McCarthy since he took the reins there at Bloomfield Road. And I almost think, is this a good thing? Because I think you know exactly what Blackburn Rose fans would be saying when, when it, you know, on Tuesday night I'm tweeting out that uh, Blackpool haven't won in X amount of games. They'll be going enter Blackburn Rovers. So I think for a lot of fans, they'll probably be a little bit relieved that, that Blackpool got the win at the weekend. Yeah, and I'm one of those fans, uh, most certainly. So I agree with you. I'm pleased that they've won because actually I know what we get from Blackpool every time that we play them anyway. Um, we've beaten them over the years. Um, we've gone to Bloomfield Road earlier on this season and, and won, but they do come to Ewood Park and cause us problems. Um, I like the fact that this is on a Tuesday night rather than a Saturday. I don't know how many tickets Blackpool have sold, but if this was a Saturday, I think they'd be coming, bouncing and you know wanting to do that on a Saturday. So I'm hoping that this can just be a kind of non-local derby type fixture, if you get what I mean with it being a midweeker now, where we can just dispatch of a side who haven't been good on the road this season. We're following up a really good win against Swansea, against an opponent that we should be expected to beat. But yeah, Mick McCarthy is a wily old manager at this level. No doubt they're going to come and make it difficult for us. Mick McCarthy will know that we don't create many chances in the game, so he will set his side up to frustrate. And he'll be asking Rovers to come and impose himself on Blackpool. Whether we do that, what version of Rovers we see, is the debate that's been running through this season. But I do hope that we see more of the second half Rovers, because I think that uh, second half Rovers against Swansea, sorry, because I think that Rovers beats Blackpool comfortably, no doubt. Yeah, I completely agree. They are obviously favourites going into this game, as they should be, but they're going to have to be a little bit more authoritative. They're going to have to try and be a bit more creative. They can't just rely on crosses, for example, because I think with Curtis Nelson and Callum Connolly at centre-half, they'll just be thumping those headers away. They'll come with two banks of four. They'll try and be difficult. They'll try and break the game up. And Blackburn have got to play with the same intensity they did in the second half from the off at Ewood Park. An early goal would set set the tempo brilliantly. Um, they've not done enough early goals this season, particularly at Ewood Park. It's felt like a bit of a struggle to get that first one. And then once they have got in front, they've generally been very good at seeing the results through. Um, and they'll just need to start the game a little bit faster. But they should have confidence from that late goal. They should know they are favourites and they can go win that game. And if they can, eight points from the last four would be a pretty sensational return. I think everyone was saying two good points on the road, but got to get at least minimum four points from these two home games. They've got the win against Swansea and now the the real the real carrot is there for them to go and get another three points. In terms of team selection, Ryan, obviously we know that Bradley Dack and Brereton Dales are likely to be doubts. The press is on, on Monday as we record on, on Sunday for a, for a change. So we don't know exactly the extent of their injuries, but you would say both are quite doubtful. For me, I think it's got to be back to the 4 2 3 1. I think I would probably leave the back four as it is with Carter at right back, albeit I prefer him in the middle. Is Britain ready to start? The fact he didn't even come on at the weekend. If he'd had half an hour on Saturday, I probably would say maybe Britain in. But I don't see him leaving Ayala out having scored and kept a clean sheet. So I think the back four will stay the same. Pairs obviously in goal. Midfield. I think, again, you're a toss-up between Buckley and Morton. I don't think Buckley was brilliant on Saturday. I don't think he certainly did enough to say, I'm a guaranteed starter. I, I'm having this shirt. I still think Lewis Travis has been 
the most consistent midfielder in the last few weeks, so he would start for me. I probably would keep Buckley in to give him another game, but I wouldn't be shocked if Morton came back in either, especially given he was an unused sub um, on Saturday. And then it's what do you do in attack? I think Sam Smodix will probably start instead of Bradley... Well, that didn't start instead of Sam Gallagher, maybe? Put Dolan up front. I think Dolan will probably go up front. Gallagher might come out for Smodix. And then it's Brereton Diaz for Hedges, perhaps. And then it's how you want to configure that front four. I think those will probably be the four that start up front. Maybe it'll be Hedges as the false nine and Dolan off the left. Maybe it'll be whatever combination you want. But I think that will probably be the attack if I was having, if I was a guessing man. Yeah, I think you're right on the back four. If we just work back to front, um, as much as that would be harsh on Joe Rack and Costello, actually, because it sounds like he might be back for that game. Uh, and obviously he's been playing really well, but maybe just give Rankin Costello till the weekend and be 100% certain on Rankin Costello. And as you say, it gives us the opportunity to keep rewarding Hayden Carter for those performances. Um, I would go Buckley and Travis, but I don't think we're going to see that. Um, there is no way that Tyler Morton's going to miss two games. I just think such is the nature of the agreement that we've got with Liverpool. I don't know all of the details of that, but clearly, you know, something's there that he plays a lot of minutes for us this season. So I just cannot foresee a scenario where Tyler Morton doesn't start, but I would go Buckley and Travis. I think we've got to start looking towards next season already, even though we're going for top six. We've got to keep getting them to as, you know, first choice. There, there is an carry. argument, just sorry to come in, because that's an interesting point you make. There is definitely an argument where we're at, given where we are in the season, if they did start to tail off results-wise and it was quite clear they weren't going to make the top six. So at what point do you go, actually, as you know, as well as we think Tyler Morton might have played as coaching staff, do we need to start giving these minutes to Jake Garrett, John Buckley, Adam Warren? Because they are the ones that are going to take the club forward. And I think that's been an interesting argument that I've seen in a few different places over the last week in Blackburn Rovers world. Yeah, and I know a lot of fans, for example, um, are thinking that someone like Lewis O'Brien coming into the sides is a difference maker in the centre of the park. At the moment, you could say that we're not seeing that from Tyler Morton. So for me, stick with the two lads that are our own and, and keep thinking about next season and beyond with those two. Um, it's just whether there are financial penalties, whether there's a potential souring of the relationship with Liverpool, if... You know, we obviously don't give him the minutes. So potentially a bit of a headache off the pitch more than on the pitch with Tyler Morton. But I think we will see Morton, but I'd go Travis and Buckley. Without Brereton Diaz, um, I do think we need Sam Gallagher uh, in that front four. Um, I think we need his physicality. We need his drive from those wider areas that he's good at. So I'd be starting Sam Gallagher. I'd also be going Sam Smodix. Um, different type of player to Bradley Dack in that position off you know, off the front. I, I agree with you. I think they need Smodix more than Hedges in this type of game. I think they need someone that has the potential to be arriving late into the box to get on, you know, a cross that gets whipped in and yeah. not quite headed out far enough and someone who could pick up those scraps maybe between the penalty box and the uh, penalty spot. Yeah, I agree. And he's another energetic player as well who I'd be playing Smodix and Dolan because if we're saying that we want to see an energetic performance where we go for Blackpool, have Smodix and Dolan as the kind of one off each other. You know, they could interchange as well if needs be. And then for me, it's it's got to be Sorba Thomas on the right because, you know, I've been saying this quite a lot on this podcast already about law of averages and creating chances. With Sorba Thomas on the pitch, we are more likely to put a cross into the box. We're more likely to create a chance from something that he delivers. His corners are fantastic. So 
for me, you have Sorba Thomas um, on that right wing. And yeah, that would be tough on Ryan Hedges because he is probably looking at the fact that he's going to start. But, you know, that's that's the four I'd go with. Yeah, I think for me it's Gallagher or Hedges. And I think I agree with you, Dolan would, would play for me either up front or off on the left. Smodix as the number 10 and then Thomas on the right. So it's a toss-up between those two. Gallagher's form's not been brilliant um in recent games he did okay when he came on against West Brom I thought he worked hard he always works hard like his work rate's always brilliant he does give you um a ball into the channel he does give you that option he just lets himself down I think sometimes in terms of his hold up play and, and getting hold of, of the ball and his touch being a little bit loose sometimes which I thought it was on Saturday but he's a confidence player I like Gallagher I think when Gallagher's playing well he's a real asset to Blackburn Rovers when he's scoring and playing well he just needs to fine-tune his game a little bit that when he's not scoring he's still offering plenty to the team which he does most of the time but I think he wasn't brilliant on Saturday was my the opinion I came out so it wouldn't shock me if he came out or um as I say that he sticks with um Hedges on the bench in terms of QPR then on Saturday which will follow there the if we're, we're saying that Blackpool have got the monkey off their back QPR absolutely have not and um, they're probably the worst team in the championship right now certainly form-wise Neil Critch is under massive pressure and could quite well be out of the door by the time that Blackburn turn up in West London on Saturday. They lost 3-1 to Middlesbrough on Saturday, which is no you know, great shame. Middlesbrough are probably one of the, alongside Burnley, the informed team in the Championship. They do have a free week as well, which half makes you think if they're going to make a change, they might well do it this week before a home game. Um, but it's going to be a game where Blackburn have just again they they, they will be favourites going in because, and they've got to try and you know stamp on the neck of a team that's really struggling at the moment. Yeah, and I'm just looking at the table with QPR. So you know, 39 points. They're currently eight points off the bottom three. They were that top eight in October. Points. It's absolutely bonkers how mm. they've fallen off a cliff. It's daft. So eight points off the bottom three is not a big gap and that could evaporate and disappear quite quickly if they were to carry on this run of form so you're right as that nervous fan and that superstitious fan i am i am really nervous <laughs> about qpr this week we need to be rocking up at uh, at loftus road with neil critchley as the manager but i do fear that they're going to push the button because yeah they've got 13 games to go and they could find themselves embroiled in that relegation battle with neil warnock back at Huddersfield I'm looking at this table right now there are sides that could get closer and closer to QPR so I am hoping it's a Neil Critchley side that we play against I fear it'll be the caretaker manager uh, that we're up against at Loftus Road and that would make me nervous we haven't had the greatest record away at QPR over the years we've had a couple of wins here and there but you know QPR have dispatched of us the last couple of times but you know, it is a game, regardless of whether it's caretaker manager or not, in all seriousness, if we are able to get the win against Blackpool on Tuesday night, why can't we go down there and, and be confident? You know, if we've found a way of playing and if we've imposed ourselves on Blackpool, just go and do more of the same against a side which is ultimately underconfident. So, yeah, it's it's a weird one, this QPR one, because ultimately, who knows at championship level? You know, none of us can predict things very well most of the time, but... If QPR have got that caretaker, I think it just throws everything out of the window. But certainly a fixture I want to be going down there and feeling confident about because I do think they make it tough for us usually. So we might not get the opportunity to come up against this version of QPR in seasons to come. Would you take four points from the upcoming week if I offered it you now? Yes. 
I'm not sure I would. I just feel like there's a real... I feel like a lot of teams have had their spells and I feel like Rose have had their wobble if they're going to get in the top six and these are the games where they've just got to get the points on the board. And they did so well to get a point mm. at Watford and a point at West Brom. I probably would have expected them to lose those games or certainly maybe only get one point. So go and beat Blackpool, go and beat QPR. I think yeah. I think maybe if QPR changed manager, I probably would take the four points. But if they stick with Neil Critch, I would like six from the week. Maybe I've been a little bit greedy. They've obviously got a free week as well. So it does make it a little trickier, I suppose, in terms of them having fresher legs. But that's where you'd hope the Rovers squad comes in. Score predictions then, Ryan. Let's stick some uh, necks on the, on the line. We'll start with Blackpool. Home win? I'm going to say 2-0 home win, I think. The manner of that victory on Saturday um, and just what's come before it with the equaliser at Watford and, and West Brom. And, you know, we're unbeaten in a few games now, actually. With the it's one of those typical runs where you draw that many where suddenly it's how many without a win, is it? Or does it suddenly become an unbeaten yeah. run? If they'd, if they'd uh, lost at the weekend, it's suddenly no wins in five and now it's uh, five unbeaten. So it's funny how those ones turn when you've got that many draws in the run. That's it. I fancy us to get the, the victory, though. I think, you know, with how we beat Swansea on Saturday and just having Blackpool so soon, I fancy the the players to be full of confidence. So I'm going to say 2-0 for that one. Um, yeah, 2-0 Rovers for the QPR, uh, for the, the Blackpool one. I, d- I don't want to copy, but I'm also feeling 2-0. I think it'll be a little bit more comfortable than the Swansea game. Or maybe I'm just hoping that and hoping to manifest that with a bit of optimism <laughs> on the podcast. But I feel very similar. I think they'll, they'll get the job done. QPR is a more tricky one. My gut feeling is saying one all. I know Rovers haven't done draws for a long time, but now they seem to be having a spate of them. I could just see a one all draw. I think maybe I don't know. I don't. Are they going to get over the line twice with such a, a heavy fixture schedule? Depends, I suppose, also on Dak and Brighton Diaz if they're available. They might be out for a few weeks. They might be back for Saturday. They might be back for Tuesday. We don't know. So if if I had to be conservative, I would say four points this week. I would like six very much. But I'm going 2-0 at home to Blackpool in a one-all draw with QPR. So I'm not going to go one-all just so that we're not absolutely mirroring each other. So I'll say two-all, <laughs> even though I probably really want to say one-all. But I'm going to say two-all. I just think I think the free week will count for a lot. There's uncertainty about their manager, as I've just spoken about. And I just think that with clearly the legwork and the hard work that we've been putting into some of these games and the injuries that we've just spoke about and things, I just wonder if it's a game too far for us to then go and get a victory at QPR as well. Um, so I would be happy with the four points, I think. Um, but I'm going to say to all. And I think that would be a good return of, of points for Rovers. And actually, you could say, we probably know what we're going to see from Rovers in the uh, in the Blackpool and QPR games. For that run of points and that return of points, when we're not hammering sides and pressuring sides in the way that we've spoken about, We've got to be happy with that. And if we can just stay in contention with the top six, go into that international break in Mark, dust ourselves down for two weeks, who knows what we could then do in April. So, yeah, two all QPR. We'll round off the podcast, as always, Ryan, with our Rovers riddle for this week. How did you get on last week? Just for a quick reminder for anyone that didn't get them, it was Archie Windsor is learning to do this, and that bird is stuck in a block of ice. How did you get on? 
one out of two. So I was proud of myself for, for one of them. The other one, I just cannot get Brett Emerton out of my head because of the word, because <laughs> of the word emigrate. <laughs> so I'm stuck on that. So it's going to be news to me when you tell me this. So story. which one did you get? So I got Henningberg for the, right. uh, for the ice. What was it again? The, the bird that is stuck in the block of huge block of ice is Henningberg, yeah. correct? Henningberg, yeah. And Archie Windsor is learning to do this. It was Harrison Reed. Oh. oh, of course, of course, Harry Son Reed, brilliant. Whoever Reed. thought of that one, right? So I'm not going to take credit for these. I don't do these, so I'm not, I'm not taking. I'm nowhere near intelligent enough to come up with these. But we've we've got our little uh, backroom staff at the Inside Brockle podcast. This <laughs> week's uh, this week's one. Make sure you are tweeting us at Inside Brockle with your answers. Quite a lot got. Um, I saw a few get Henningberg. I'm not sure I, I saw anyone get Harrison Reed, but. Thank you for those that submitted your answers. Make sure you get involved every week. And this week's Rovers riddle is who, where, why, when? That is number one. And number two is why don't you come on over? Oh, no, that one. Well, keep it to yourself (laughs) and we'll discuss it on next week's podcast. If you think you have got them as well and you think you can get two out of two as Ryan is aiming for this week, Make sure you tweet us at Inside Brockle and let us know. And that does round off this week's episode. Thank you, as always, for listening. Make sure you subscribe in your chosen podcast app, whether that's on Apple, Google, or Spotify, or whatever other platform you may get your podcast from. Make sure you tune in. Thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of the Inside Brockle podcast. <laughs>